Hi, welcome to another SRS podcast. This time we're coming from the annual meeting in Seattle, where I'm joined with Doug Burton. So I got to meet uh, Dr. Burton through some work in ICG a few years ago, and I have a great privilege to interview him today, where he's received the uh, Lifetime Achievement Award at the SRS. So, Doug, you maybe start off telling us a little bit about yourself and your background leading up to this. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Jeff. Yeah, I, um, you know, I'm I'm a native Kansan, uh, and I've uh, lived there most of my life. And uh, was really introduced to the SRS back in 1997. My mentor, Mark Asher, um, uh, was was an active member of the SRS, former president, and and I think he won the Lifetime Achievement Award as well. Um, but uh, he he took me to the SRS when I was a junior resident, so that was my first introduction to SRS. So you knew you would to be sponsored and all the way back then. Well, uh, yeah, probably midway through my residency, um, having worked with him right out of the gate, that was my first rotation as a junior resident, and actually after two months, he fired me and sent me to the VA, uh, <laughs> so it was sort of an inauspicious start, but uh, uh, when I rotated back through as a, as a, as a third year, uh, we, it was a great rotation, and uh, we did some research together, and uh, you know, that was, I was off and running. And you progressed through Kansas, and you left Kansas for a little bit to go do some fellowships. Yeah, I did. I, I went down to the Texas Back Institute in, in Plano, Texas, and which was really a, a degenerative spine fellowship, and, and I got great training there. And the theory was, uh, you know, Mark's plan was that he, I could learn degenerative spine there because he felt like that was his weak point. And then once I was done with that, I could come back to Kansas, and he could teach me a deformity. But along the way, kind of identified that, you know, we're a level one trauma center. I needed to learn some trauma. So I went up to uh, Thomas Jefferson, and I worked with Todd Albert and Alex Vaccaro and Alan Hillebrand there at Jefferson and, and did some, some trauma. So uh, that rounded that out before I came back and joined Mark for the last two years of his practice. So then you went down back to Kansas as a complete spine surgeon and started building your practice. And sometime along the way, you got involved with the SRS. Yeah, you know, um, it was kind of early on, right? As a as a resident, I think, uh, and then applied. Uh, I don't I don't I don't think I was supposed to, but I applied for membership as a fellow still. And um, you know, so I remember going to the SRS really from the very beginning. And uh, you know, part of that was just my uh, being mentored by Mark. This society was the one that he was, you know, really passionate about, and and that rubbed off on me pretty quick. So what were some of the, I guess, your early involvements or things you got really got your feet solidified with SRS with? Well, you know, early on, it was, my experience was just in, in research, and that was, you know, obviously a strength uh, of Mark's, and he got me involved early on because he was working on the SRS outcomes instrument, and uh, Tom Hare had started that back in the early mid-90s, and then uh, Mark just t had a passion for it, took it on, and then I was fortunate enough to tag along uh, on his studies, uh, refining the SRS outcomes instrument, and, and you know we had a lot of success with that, and and are proud of the output. It's it's survived quite a while. And it's definitely made a difference, and I think that speaks also too from a societal standpoint. The SRS's focus has been putting out the best research and sort of how we're building our our core values there. And so within research, you've also done a lot with the ISSG. Was that sort of going part and parcel with uh, this evolution? Yeah, I think so. You know, um, I think there are several of us that identified, um, you know, that 
there aren't that many patients with spinal deformity out there and that we needed a lot more data than a hundred uh, person series. And so, you know, back in probably it was 05 or so that um, Ohenaba Bawachi and Beiruzak Barnia, uh, Munish Gupta uh, were, you know, the leaders in the ISOLA study group uh, who were thinking that, you know, we needed, we, we knew we needed to morph from being a, a user group to a research group. What we saw the HARMS group was doing and what the Spinal Reformity Study Group was developing at the time. And we, we felt like that that's where we needed to go. And um, so really kind of started to put together the pieces of, of, a, of a study group. And, you know, Peter Newton was probably the most influential in shaping us, you know, because he was, uh, you know, leading uh, the HARMS group at that time, or uh, he, he or Randy, I'm not sure who at the time, but Peter really mentored us in how do you do this. And, uh, you know, I, I give a, a ton of credit to Peter for helping us along uh, on the process. And then, you know, then it kind of grew a little organically. You know, people came on that, that had no affiliation with the ISOLA study group, but as we started to gear our focus towards adult deformity, because we felt like that was probably where we could make an impact, and uh, we, we added uh, folks like Frank Schwab and, and um, and uh, uh, Chris Shaffrey, and then uh, Shay Best came on, and, and things have just really grown from there. And so now, we're, since we're celebrating your Lifetime Achievement Award, you've seen quite an evolution of the society and research. Any prediction or guesses where things are going to be going forward in the next 20-some years? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I think that, that we're certainly headed towards, uh, we're already in the era of big data. You know, I mean, that's kind of what, what we saw where we needed to get to is we needed big data. And now the evolution of that is going to be, you know, more of an AI piece. And, you know, where I think things are going to ultimately end is by integrating the data with AI with our surgeries. Um, you know, we're seeing that already uh, with uh, robotics. Um, but I think robotics is, right now, it's just a smaller piece of where we need to get to um, because uh, it's, we know how to do the surgeries. Um, we can do them pretty safely uh, in terms of uh, technically achieving what we want to achieve. You know, robotics, I think, is just a, a form of uh, increased, um, you know, uh, what do I want to say? Um, Imaging, you know, robotics is just really advanced imaging. Mm -hmm. It's helping us place things more safely. Um, but in terms of planning and picking, choosing the right patient, um, I think that we need to get better at that at a, yeah. at a personalized level. Executing all this productive research we've had. So. Exactly. Putting all that together. Well, very good. Time's running up here. I'm going to let you get back to the meeting. Congratulations again on your Lifetime Achievement Award. You're in Seattle enjoying the great city with your family, so I'm sure they're going to have some fun tonight, okay? Absolutely. Thank you All so right, much. I appreciate great. it. Welcome, everyone, to this edition of the SRS uh, podcast. Uh, to all those members who have had the pleasure of being here, and for, to those of you at home, we have really a world-renowned spine surgeon here with us today, the recipient of the Walter P. Blunt Award, and we're going to be discussing and, uh, his, his journey and, and philosophy and, uh, and how he got here. So we, we're privileged to have 
Dr. Hess with us today. Uh, as I said, he's a recipient of the Walter P. P. Blount Award, and I'm, I'm going to ask him just to give a brief history of himself and his background. Okay. Um, so I, uh, I kind of have a dual citizenship. I was born in York, Pennsylvania, but I grew up in Florida uh, in Cocoa with the uh, space program. Um, and I uh, went to high school uh, there, went to college, went back to Pennsylvania to Albright College in Reading. And then I went back to Florida uh, to University of South Florida in Tampa where I did medical school and my internship. And then I had a little respite in there where uh, I uh, repaid my indentured servitude to the Public Health Service with the Indian Health Service in Gallup, New Mexico on the Navajo Reservation. And uh, then went back to Tampa, finished my uh, orthopedic residency, and then spent uh, a year in Kansas City, the Ray Jacobs Memorial Spine Fellowship with Dr. Mark Asher and Dr. Roger Jackson. And uh, following that, I uh, went to Geisinger Medical Center in Danville, Pennsylvania in August of 90. And uh, unusually, uh, that is where I've been for my entire career. Fantastic. So, you know, so you, you, you have this really vast experience. Uh, um, why spine? What, what made you excited about spinal disorders? The, uh, it, it's always interesting. Usually something kicks you in that direction. And for me, it happened to be when I was a medical student at the VA hospital, uh, Dr. Robert Callahan. Uh, was one of our uh, clinical professors, and uh, the chief resident was away, so it was a senior resident myself, and the, uh, he had no interest in spine at all. And I didn't know one way or the other, but I got to do all the spine with Dr. Callahan. So sort of long story short, this one day we were scheduled to do a case, patient was asleep. The Tampa General Hospital is about 35 minutes away from the VA hospital and he had to be down there he, and the patient was already put to sleep and uh, the uh, resident was in the room with another patient and I said well the least we do is get everything all set so we positioned the patient got him in traction and uh, I said well we can drape so when he gets here we'll be ready so I did all that, and uh, so I'm out at the scrub sink scrubbing, and he comes running in the room and goes, oh, thank goodness Alex <laughs> set up the case. And the nurses told him, no, Alex hasn't even been in here. The medical student did it. My he goes, you're kidding. So I walked out, and um, he comes out, and he said, did you set all this up? I said, uh, yes, sir. I hope I didn't do anything wrong. And he said, no, 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 everything's fine. So we got in the room, and... Uh, getting ready to start. He goes, oh, you've made one big mistake. And I'm sitting there scratching my head. What did I do wrong? Uh, he goes, yeah, you can't operate from that side of the table. You need to be on this side. My goodness, as a medical student. Yeah. Well, I had been working with yeah. him for a while, okay. and he told, he, he told me I had good hands, and I knew what I was doing. And so anyway, so that kind of, we did an ACDF, and it was like, I think I like this. So. From there, um, as I continued through residency, I, spine just kind of clicked. Um, I mean, I started out, in college I started out as a math physics major, and I really liked classical physics. And if you kind of put anatomy and physiology and physics together, you end up in orthopedics and specifically in spine. In spine. So, so that's, that's how. 
quite fascinating. You know, the SRS is, uh, you know, the, the, you think about the SRS mission of service and education, and they've been truly a world leader when it comes to spine education, mm -hmm. um, specifically in spinal deformities. Your history, your experience of the last uh, 30, 35, 40 years, uh, you've dedicated quite a bit of time to service and, and teaching. You've taught generations of fellows and so on. Yeah. Um, what, why service? What, what made you... Uh, 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 really, really figure well, out that you part, want to serve. Part of that um, kind of goes back to my parents. Um, I was raised in a Christian home, mm -hmm. and uh, they sort of personified what it means to serve others. And um, and as I continued through my uh, my medical education and develop, I said. You know, there's people that don't have what we have. Um, and if I have the opportunity, I want to be able to try to not only provide good care for the patients in my practice, but, you know, you have to look at the world in a little bit bigger picture. And that usually means getting involved outside your comfort zone and going places. And for me, that happened in 94. Um, one of the local surgeons asked if he could assist with a scoliosis surgery, and I said, well, that's kind of interesting. Um, so I said, sure, and he came. I said, so why do you want to do this? He says, well, I'm going on a mission trip, and there's somebody that needs scoliosis. Mm. And I said, well, I really don't think if you don't do this regularly that you need to try to do this overseas when something's wrong. Something goes wrong, you don't have everything you're used to having. I said, do you want me to go with you? So I did. So. So that ended up my first trip, which was, uh, interestingly, ended up being a 20-year-old lady with Marfan syndrome and a 100-degree curve. My goodness. And she needed an anterior-posterior fusion. So it was a little more involved and complicated. But that started to get the ball rolling um, from the medical side. On the other side, we had a large group of families in our area from different churches that started something called Families for Missions. Mm. And uh, we would, uh, once a year, would try to go to, uh, went to Haiti, Jamaica, Appalachia, Dominican, different um, areas where we would go and just provide service, you know, whatever it is. Um, we did do some clinics, which uh, doing a medical clinic as a surgeon is really outside our comfort zone. <laughs> but, you know, you kind of you do what's available. So did that. And then uh, through a uh, mission trip with uh, one of the evangelists that we uh, knew very well, Mike Silva, he was going to Ghana. And uh, he had come to visit our church. And uh, the, I was talking to the guy that was with him, and my daughter comes by and sticks her head in and goes, I'm really upset we're not going to Haiti, Dad. <laughs> and walks off, 16-year-old. Yeah. And he goes, oh. It sounds like you guys have done mission trips. I said, well, yeah, but uh, so you think she'd want to go to Africa? I said, well, let me talk to my wife, and we'll pray about it. Yeah. And uh, so I said, yeah, we'll do that. And the next day, I said, yeah, we'd be willing to let her, let her go with you because his two daughters were also going to be going. Mm. And uh, I said, well, we want you to go too. So when that happened, um, at that point, I had known Ohenaba since about, 89, and um, we, uh, I, flights were Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 
And I said, I called him up. I said, oh, Hanaba, I'm going to be in Ghana, believe it or not. Um, the way the flights are, I'm going to have a couple days. Is there anything I can do to help? And he called me that night and said, yeah, I want you to come a week early. We need another surgeon for a trip. My goodness. And that's how I got involved with Focus. You've been going back. You've gone back several years. In fact, his lecture, it was a picture of you on one of his, uh, one of his slides. Yeah, I, would, I went. So that was in uh, April of 2002. And uh, up until COVID, I went at least once a year, sometimes twice a year. And one time, I think I went three times. Goodness. What's sort of palpable listening to you is the role that faith plays in your life. Yes. And it actually permeates almost everything that you do, from mission work to your clinical care to how you lead. You might expanding on that, uh, where faith sits uh, um, in all that you do. Well, I think uh, everybody needs to find where their balance in life comes from. And for me, that's having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, I accepted the Lord when I was 12. I continued to grow through different groups, through FCA, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. We had a very large uh, contingency in my high school who had, uh, a lot of people had gone to Taylor University. So they really um, kind of inspired you to increase your faith and take, take your faith and take it into actions and, and doing things. Um, and then when I went to college, um, uh, I was playing football, and my uh, wife, who I had met, met there, uh, said, you need to come to something called Young Life. And uh, Young Life is an interdenominational group that presents the gospel to high school kids. And uh, that idea of open evangelism... Uh, really stuck. The developer of Young Life was a guy named Jim Rayburn. And he based that ministry on two concepts. One is it's a sin to bore a kid with the gospel, which I like to translate it. It's a sin to bore anybody with the gospel. (laughs) And the second one is you need to develop the right to be heard, which in Young Life is called contact work, which means getting on the streets and being being at sports events and games and being involved so that people know you care. So that um, really sort of has changed how I've not only lived my personal life and my family life, but my professional life because I try to apply that and that's how I got involved with missions and that's why uh, as long as I can still do it, I'll try to continue to be involved. Fantastic. You know, what's quite unique about you is longevity. Longevity at, at, a, at, a, at a university or institution uh, that it, in today's world is, 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 is almost foreign to see surgeons stay at the same place for 10, 15, 20 years. You've been at the same yeah. place since 1990, and you I, led a lot of that stuff. I, so th- I think for that. orthopedic surgeons, the normal turnover rate is 50% of all orthopedic surgeons change job in the first two years. Um, and that's f- for a number of reasons. Um, I think as you look at where you're working, you have to look at the pluses and minuses. Um, and I would be remiss to say I haven't thought about leaving. And, you know, I can think on two occasions, I actually went so far as to visit places and interview different places. But um, you have to look at, at what you're able to do where you are hmm. and whether you're really 
doing the service that you need and you need to feel some sort of commitment to the community and uh, one of the silly things I always tell um, any of my partners when they get upset and they're looking and they want to go somewhere else I said you know the grass always looks greener on the other side of the fence because you can't see the cow patties from this side. <laughs> Touche. Touche. So, you know, I think you just have to look at what things are important and what you're doing, and then you just decide where you're going to be. Yeah, you turn an optimist. Um, you've been a longtime member of the SRS. What does yes. the SRS mean to you? The, uh, the SRS is the one meeting I try to attend every year. Okay. Um, my first meeting was in September of 89 when I was a fellow. Um, I think I've missed three meetings um, since then. The, um, I think the, the mission of the SRS in addressing spine deformity and taking care of patients and um, the idea of not only doing that in the U.S., but extending that internationally um, has really changed. I mean, we had the Global Outreach Program for many years, which was focused on mission work in other areas, but that was actually dissolved by the Executive Council last year. And the reason it's dissolved is because here you are. You are from Nigeria. Correct. And we have an internationalization of the membership which has sort of allowed outreach to become more regionally based so that people are getting care from people who understand the nuances of those areas. And, and ultimately, I think that's exactly what you want to do. You want to have a sustaining mission. And, you know, Focus has sort of outlined how that works. It started out with going somewhere, providing care that was needed, but at the same time, getting the local people involved and ultimately reaching a point where not only is the Focus Hospital self-sustaining, it's also recognized as a center of excellence. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's ultimately what you want to try to accomplish. Yeah, so built, not only building the capacity, but so obviously sustainability as well. As we come down to the tail end of the interview, um, if you had to describe your experience at SRS over the years in one word, what word comes to mind? Um, I would say fulfilling. Fulfilling. Um, part of that is the fact that I kind of got slapped on the wrist by Dr. Asher for not getting my membership in sooner. Um, so I was a little delayed. I apologize. Um, the, so I joined in 99, but I finished my fellowship in 90. Um, and I kind of regret not having joined sooner because I realized the things that I was really interested in in specifically in spine was complex deformity. Mm. And if you want to learn how to deal with that and be on the forefront of changes and what's happening, it's through the SRS. So 
educationally, it's been fulfilling. Personally, it's been fulfilling because I have friends within the SRS that are my family. And Doug, Doug Burton shared today that, you know, you have your family, um, I have my church family, and I have a professional family of which the SRS is mainly that. So for me, it's been very fulfilling. The, my uh, life versus Isaiah 4031. They that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount it with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. He gives strength to the weary and power to his saints. I try to take that into the things that I do. And, Fantastic. you know, so you, it means getting involved and doing what the Lord calls you to do. Excellent. So that's all I do. Excellent. Well, thank you all very much uh, for this, uh, watching this episode. We want to thank Dr. Fred Hess for joining us, the uh, 2023 uh, Walter P. Blount Award recipient. And, uh, and we can't thank you enough for your service, even on the front lines of innovation, research, and education, and really a mentor and a role model for the rest of us coming through. Thank you. Thank you so much. The Scoliosis Research Society is a nonprofit professional organization made up of physicians and allied health personnel. Their primary focus is on providing continuing medical education for healthcare professionals and on funding and supporting research in spinal deformities. Please visit srs.org for further information.